Welcome to the series preview media availability edition of Talking Hoosier Baseball. The Indiana Hoosiers take on the Illinois Fighting Illini baseball team in Champaign, Illinois this weekend. The media met with head coach Jeff Mercer to discuss the season so far and preview the road series. Are there any uh, confirmed starters for Friday through Sunday? Um, Sonata for Saturday. Uh, I'm not sure about the rest yet. <laughs> Sorry. You know, we saw, uh, I know we've been asking a lot about um, Matt Ellis's condition. Yeah. Saw him just catching a little bit, but not yeah. being able to toss back. How's he doing yeah. so far? He actually felt better today. I asked him beforehand how he felt, and he said <clears throat> his hand felt better, his wrist felt better. So it was an encouraging day from him. Um, you know, obviously, anytime you have an injury, it's, it's just emotionally hard, especially for a guy that's um, such a hard worker and has been such a central figure in the, in the program. It's always hard to see those guys have injuries, but... Today he seemed like he was in good spirits and felt a little bit better, and and so we want to make sure for him to be able to do as much live stuff as we can, and and catching obviously is a is a big part of what he does. So just wanted to get him in there to catch and see some live see some live at bats from the catching standpoint. So hopefully here in the next week or two we we can get him back in there, but definitely felt better today than he did yesterday, as what he said. Now it's still very limited, right? So limited activity of what he's doing, but he he did say he felt better. What does the progression look like then? Next steps for him. Uh, really is just <clears throat> kind of range of motion stuff and a lot of the training room. So can he can he have load-bearing weight? Can he start to have more flexion and more range of motion? And then kind of if he does have that, then can we swing a little bit? Can we throw a little bit and just kind of work over that? So we're, we're not – we're still in like the range of motion, flexion, weight-bearing weight, weight bearing stuff. But um, hopefully once it starts to kind of go and then the medicine kicks in and it'll, it'll start to go fast after that. Until he can come back, do you have a plan for how you're going to get Pete any rest? Thursday. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, can sleep on the bus on the way over. Uh, you know, next week with, with double midweek, we'll have to probably do something else. Um, hopefully Matt would be back, but but not knowing. Um, we'll have to do something else from there. Um, you know, with either with Tibbetts or with, with Riley uh, behind the plate. It, it's kind of the... The, the really positive thing about having an incredible defensive first baseman is that you have an incredible defensive first baseman, but also you, you him catching is you, 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 you get, no matter who it is, no matter how good they are and how much they train, you're, you're going to get worse defensively at a key position at first base. So we've done a really good job of taking care of the ball and it's helped us to win games. And so you, you hate to take a guy out of there if you can, if you can avoid it. Uh, you know, even though for Brock, you know, he's catching today. He, he's a good catcher. He can catch, and and um, but and for his career, he needs to catch more and more. But it, it's just when you have a recipe for success and you're winning and you're succeeding, it's as a coach, it's it's hard to to say. You know what we should do? We should change course and do something totally different. So I would say either Matt or Riley next week. Uh, probably the Cincinnati game would be the game that's kind of circled as a day that you know if Pete's catching one game a day four days a week. I don't worry about it as much as a double header or, you know, obviously at the weekend, three games a weekend and a double midweek. That's where it kind of gets to where it can be a little bit probably too much for after having two or three weeks where you're catching every day. So that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, hopefully Matt's able to do it, but, but Riley's a good catcher too. And so Riley could go back there and, and I don't, we've, we've, we've caught Riley late games where we've pinch hit and we've pinch ran and Riley's caught the end of game. So I don't have a problem with that either. Many times this season, Ryan Kratz has given you three or four innings. What is it 
about when he's on the mound that he's able to stay out there for that long amount of time? Well, he, he's, a, he's predominantly a strike thrower, and, and, and he has walked a few guys, but he's got, he has such a good pickoff move, and he's so good at holding runners that you don't worry about it too much. The thing that, that Ryan's done that, that has allowed us to have him go extended innings is he, he elicits weak contact, and we have made the plays behind him. And so when you, when you have a guy that's, that's weak contact, especially early in the bat, and you make good plays, then he can extend out without getting his pitch counts up. So he gives us a really good chance to, to eat up three, four, five, six innings. And, and you guys know how we kind of typically do it. The, the first game that we feel like in the third or fourth that we feel confident that we have a chance to win that game, then we'll go to we'll go to craft and you know hopefully we can kind of extend it out to where you essentially have three closers with craft and yoho and, and hopefully rise dwarf is one that kind of comes to mind we've tried it with hayden a little bit so we need a third guy potentially brooks eye has shown good stuff he was really good again last night um, just the stuff or you know what guy homer is a slider but every now and then it's going to happen but his stuff was really good so we just need a third guy to have that system go for us and that can give us some length and, and he needs an awesome job of, of doing that. I think predominantly just because of weak contact and, and his ability to hold the run game and manage that. Uh, even when does give up hits or walks, they, they have to then get a, an extra base hit or two additional hits to score a run. It's kind of become a Swiss army knife, really whatever role you want to use him in. He's been, he's been proficient and what kind of, how do you, how does that, what kind of challenge does that present when you're trying to manage that through a weekend where if you use them Friday, you don't want to use them for too many innings because you might need Saturday or Sunday? Well, it, the way that we've the way that we've kind of built it and by by necessity is um, it would be nice if he was just a closer, right? So he just went two times a week or three times a week and in a in a in a in a small in a smaller role, but that's not what we've been able to do so he's been extended so essentially if he comes in before the before a closing type role it, it's like it's his game to run out mm -hmm. so um, unless we have to go to Yoho or somebody else to finish it but he's been able to finish games predominantly as his last three or four outings so what kind of what kind of follow that same format as Yoho as emerged and hopefully as as Reisdorf emerges or Yoho or, or, or Brookside or somebody else can give us some 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 back-end stability then we'll probably kind of stay with with what we're doing right now with it. We kind of did the same thing with Reese Sharp and at times some other guys where you don't necessarily have to use them in a closer role because they can go three, four, five innings. So you're you're pretty much piggybacking starts and um, as long as it keeps working, we'll we'll keep we'll keep going with it. And you know potentially if some of the young guys grow up and, and can give us some more length to the front, then we can have a more uh, conventional closer role, but we, we haven't got there yet, and, and we'll kind of keep rolling with what we're doing as long as long as it keeps working. Oh, no. <clears throat> um, we're over halfway through the season at this point. I think we can objectively say that it's been a pretty solid success, especially on the pitching end. Yeah. So, can you just kind of talk about the role that Dustin Glant has played on your staff? Yeah. And it's kind of been a little bit of a roller coaster ride for him, but yeah. uh, things are going pretty well right now. Yeah. I think that the anytime you have a chance to get into your second year, I think that helps a ton, especially with the, the amount of turnover that we had before his first year coming in. And that's where, you know, I'm on the inside and I'm seeing the work he's doing and I'm, I'm seeing how good he is. And he and Denton Sagerman, Denton is terrific. So Denton is kind of the unsung, unsung hero in a lot of that stuff. So he helps a ton. And so as you're coming into last year, kind of like you said, the word objective is, is I think, really important where – you, you come into a situation where, you know, I, I thought we were talented enough on the mound to be to be solid last year, but 
there are things that are out of his control. You know, the, the, the way the draft worked out two years ago, which is awesome. What's what we want? We want guys to get drafted. But the draft and, and then no midweek games for those guys to grow up is, was really hard. And, and you don't know it until you know it. And so um, that, that was a really hard way to, to, to be indoctrinated into Power 5 baseball. Um, but, but just watching his abilities to, to continue to uh, develop guys through last year, we pitched it far better in the last month than the first month. And so that's always a really good indication of a guy's uh, growth over the, over the course of it. And there's always a learning curve that goes into it. So when I watched this year, you know, we talked a ton about doing a better job of managing the run game and doing a better job of, of not only at first base, but at second base and our PFPs and just how can we steal outs on the mound and manage it, uh, do a better job and how can we do a better job of creating weak contact and um, eliciting weak contact. So we, we designed, you know, a lot more change-ups and more cutters and more sinkers and, and, and watching him do those things. He's, he's just been absolutely terrific. And he's been really good for me too um, because he, he has been a head coach and I am young and I have made mistakes and, and I will make mistakes. But when you have somebody else that's been through it, that's been a head coach, that's been in pro ball and, and, and they can help give you guidance through those things. That he's just such a great resource for me to rely on as well. And he's a great friend. And, and um, so that he's made us better overall because he's made me a lot better. And, and I'm happy for him because you're seeing more of, of what actually, you know, he's capable of doing and what he's capable of producing on the mound. And, and it's still, you know, we're still super young and it's kind of like, it's, it's a little unconventional the way that we're doing it. But I think that, I think that only goes to show his ability and his value even more um, by taking, you know, six freshmen and uh, a couple sophomores and, and, uh, and a couple, you know, transfers and, and putting together a really competitive pitching staff. Um, and, and, and as he goes through his time here in Indiana, we'll obviously have more conventional starters and more roles. Um, but the ability for him to, to harness this group and make them a winning successful group, I think really is a testament to, to his intelligence, his work ethic, his adaptability, his adjustability. You know, he's, he's kind of modernized my thoughts more. You and I have talked about it. You know, I've, I've always just kind of been, you know, three, three starters and a midweek starter and everybody goes seven innings and you line up after that. And he, he just kind of said, I, I don't know that that's what we have. So maybe we should change our thoughts. And, and it's like, why don't we just go two innings at a time and, and build it that way? And that wasn't my idea. That's never how I've done it. And, and he's been right. He's been right. And, and so I, I, I have a ton of trust in him, a ton of faith. And I even did last year. I did last year because I just I knew there were so many variables that were uncontrollable going through it that, you know, you walk into a whole new group that you didn't recruit and you didn't know. And, and you know, like, like we talked about before, those guys, we pitched fine in the fall. We pitched fine in the winter. A lot of that was just anxiety. A lot of that was just having never done it before. And so you get into action, you, you kind of, the ball start flying and you panic. Well, that's not, that's not training. That's not coaching. That's just experience. You just have to do it. You know, how much better is, I mean, imagine if we have six freshmen right now that have all thrown a ton. Imagine if those guys had never thrown a midweek game, eliminate all midweek games, and then actually cancel a season and then eliminate midweek games, and then have Braden Reisdorf as a junior with a career nine innings. Right? He wouldn't be nearly as good as he's going to be as a junior. That's essentially what it, what it was for those guys. So um, he's he's a wonderful guy and a great coach and has made me better. And, and Den Sagerman... I always go back to Denton because he's the unsung hero behind the scenes, running the numbers and, and really helping a ton with the player development side on the administrative side of things. And those two working together has been a, been a really successful formula. And 
you know, I, I, you know, I see other coaches, and I'm, I'm not in, in judging in any way, but you would see a head coach grab the grab the pitch calling card and start calling pitches and get upset. And 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 over the last couple of weeks, you know, he'll ask my opinion. I've just said, man, you've pushed all the right buttons. I I don't know. So if you if you if you have a hunch, if you think it's the right move, it's the, then it's the right move, and you make the right call and you do what you want to do. And and I'll be here to support in the best way I can. But I've really just kind of handed him the reins completely and just said. Go do it, man. You're doing an awesome job, and, and we've we've just gotten so much better on the mound, and we've won a ton of games because of it. Yeah, you look at coming into the season, we we anticipated that we would hit, we'd score a bunch of runs, and at times we have, and at times we haven't. Right? We've you know we've kind of stubbed our toe at times, and I think some of the sophomores or those first year guys that are transitioning into their second year have kind of you know it's it's hard to do it again, and it's hard once they know your weaknesses, and there's an emotional component to it. And so the pitching staff has carried us to a ton of wins. Um, and we've won in a different way than I think probably would, would if you would have said, hey, we're, I don't know, the record is 23 and 10, whatever. Hey, you're 23 and 10, you're first place in the Big Ten, you know, halfway through the season or whatnot. How'd you do it? And I, I think you would have said before the season, well, we're hitting 330 as a team with 65 homers. And it's really not that way at all. You know, we, our home run production is down, you know, and I think our run production is probably similar, probably a little bit higher. Um, but because we've pitched it so well, played such good defense, we've won so many more games. So kudos to him and and Denton for for getting that stuff where it needs to be at. Illinois has uh, had a pretty up and down season. What, yeah. what is their leading strength that you're looking to mitigate or manage? Well, they're really talented. You know, they're they're physically talented. They have really good stuff on the mound um, where they've kind of been a little bit of ebb and flow. You know, early on they're like the the trendy pick the click. You know, they're they're a borderline ranked team and. They're a postseason team, and they, they go down to Southern Miss and win a series, and they won a bunch of big games because they're they're talented. And for whatever reason, the last two or three weeks, they they haven't been as successful at being able to apply talent into winning baseball. But it's not because they're not well coached. It's not because they're not talented. Dan Hartlib is obviously a Hall of Fame coach guy. I mean, coaches would hope and pray to win half as many games and be half as successful as he has. So. Um, you know, sometimes teams just kind of go through it. They just kind of stub their toe and have a bad week or two. I mean, we've all we've all been there, and uh, and, and hopefully you know, they can wait one more week because they're going to roll at some point. At some point, they roll. So the big thing I see for them on the mound is just kind of the, the free bases and hard contact because it's good stuff and it's probably really good stuff in the zone, and they have to harness it. And, and they're probably a little bit more dependent upon swing and miss and some chase. Um, but once they're able to land that stuff in the zone, I think they'll they'll be really really good again. So we'll just have to we'll have to be able to do damage to to fastballs in the strike zone, and then we'll have to make sure that we 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 get them in the strike zone. And then from an offensive standpoint, they've got a really a bunch of really good players that are back, and the Kamiya kid and several others that have hit and have been really successful in the past. They've chased a little bit, they've expanded a little bit, um, but. It, it, it's as we all know, like it, it could, the sw the switch can flip at any time, and all of a sudden they're back to being a top twenty five team in the country, and and so you just have to go out and, and and play the way that we've been playing, knowing that they're talented, knowing they've won games and they've been successful this year, and so for for two weeks, just because it hasn't gone the way they wanted it to, it, it doesn't mean they're not a really good team and really well coached. It just kind of stubbed their toe. So hopefully one more week they can wait and then then go win the rest of their games after this weekend. You guys had run into a couple really tough pitching staffs and then yeah. kind of saw a little bit of a dip in run production, but then last yeah. night, obviously, 16 runs. How do you keep them up, that momentum up going into a weekend like this one where Illinois is going to be hungry and you guys yeah. are obviously hungry as well? Yeah. 
you know what we we kind of talk about it in some of the post game stuff where when you when you face really good arms for you know four or five consecutive games you know Indiana State and then you go into Iowa <clears throat> and shoot even you know Penn State ran out a bunch of good arms you know they're 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 piggybacking starts and they're pitching I mean really high end draft draft stuff so you kind of felt like that hardens you. And at some point, as soon as you saw, you either get used to it and you'd be able to produce at that level against that kind of stuff, or you see just a tick beneath that stuff, all of a sudden you kind of open it back up again. And you saw a little bit of both last night where their starter was really good, 292 and we were able to turn him around. You just, um, I remember I played it when I was at Dayton, I played with a guy named Craig Stammen, who was a pitcher, pitched in the big leagues for a long time. And he actually hit really well in the big leagues for a pitcher. And he came back one time and we asked him like, Craig, you didn't hit in college. Last time he hit was in high school. How did you hit in the big leagues? He said, you get velocitized, where you just become so used to velocity that that becomes the standard, and you just that's how you play. Mm-hmm. So I just got used to that, and I actually ended up hitting, hitting really well. I think that's kind of the same thing. When you face that kind of stuff every single day, you just start to get used to that stuff. And and, and that was really good for us. Facing Iowa and Indiana State when we faced them actually was really good for us because we'd seen a bunch of in-between, a bunch of change-ups, a bunch of uh, high volume off-speed, and it kind of got us in-between. And then you get a high-octane stuff for about five straight, four straight games, and it forces you back to fastball time. And then you saw it last night where it was like, okay, 92-94, you're finally kind of used to that stuff again, then you start to turn it around. You hit it for power and authority to your pull side. And when you start doing that again, you, you know you're in a good spot. Um, so as you go into this weekend, you just have to do the same thing. You can't get caught in-between. You can't swing out of hand. You got to be able to turn fastballs around and establish that you're you're going to hit strikes hard and, and and not give away a bass giveaway for your bases. And then you're right. They're going to be they're going to be hungry. You know, and I talked about it with the team before last night's game. Is you're you're going to get and I don't mean this in I mean this in the in the humblest way, but you're you're going to get everybody's best shot. You just saw when you're when you're playing playing when you're winning, right? I'm not sure we're playing well or not, but we've won games. And when you've won games, you're you're you, you have to make sure that you're prepared to go every single day, um, because everyone is prepared to play you. you. You you don't sneak up on anybody, and we have to have the maturity to, to handle that. So I think that we do. I think our, our sometimes youth can be a positive where you're, you you don't know any different. That's that's all you know, and you just go and do. So we just have to keep keep doing the same things that we're doing, and hopefully we will. What are your thoughts on the future of Big Ten baseball, given um, just it seems seems to be going well this year? Things yeah. seem to be making a, neg- a market improve from yeah. 21. Yeah. Um, and now you've got a commissioner coming in with a, with a significant baseball yeah. background. So yeah. what does all that mean to you? Well, I, I think it, you're exactly right. The, 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 the tides have turned in many ways. And, and again, it goes back to the, re- the reduced season that hurts, hurts big. You're just you're doing something different. And so that's. I've had that question a couple of times now, and it's like, well, yeah. When you change that, when you change the process, you're going to change the outcome, and and now you're having your 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 second full season back now, where everyone's got a chance to kind of recover that lost time, recover those reps, and the kids are developing normally again, and you're getting Big Big Ten baseball back to where it was when I first came into the league, where there's five or six teams, and you know you're you're looking in the postseason, you're looking at really four teams essentially every year for several years before that, so. We're getting back to that. The reality is this. There's a ton of great coaches in the Big Ten. And, and there's been a ton of money invested into the facilities and into coaches' salaries and into all those things. So there's no reason the Big Ten can't be a legitimate uh, power conference in baseball. And, and, and I, I've read a little bit about the new commissioner. I, I, I don't know um, 
in depth, right? But at, at least some, um, uh, you know, background in baseball or, or Olympic sport, right? That that that, that can't be a bad thing, um, and under and an understanding of of the the power and the potential of baseball. I mean, shoot, we had three thousand people here last night for a Tuesday game, um, and, you know, at, against an in-state rival. That's incredible, right? That's an incredible thing. Like, you know, Indiana loves baseball. There are Big Ten states that love baseball. If you're successful and you have some decent weather and you're you're putting a good product on the field, people will come and 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 they'll enjoy the game. They enjoy the product. You look at with, you know, the adding the West Coast teams. You're going to add such a different variety of baseball with more potentially to come. And you're not just adding average programs. You're adding some of the most historic and successful programs. Um, in the history of the sport to your conference. So th there, there really are strong uh, indications of, of the, the best is yet to come, and it's coming really quickly. You know, Maryland has established himself as a, as a real national uh, program, and, and hopefully some others are going to follow suit. Michigan plays for a national championship just a few years ago. So there, there was a lot of really positive things. You know, instant replay is coming, and, and those things are coming to it, to the conference. And, and all of that uh, provides – the, the foundation to be able to go out and then compete on level footing with the rest of the power conferences. And I, I think you're seeing that. So I know it gets me very, very excited to think about it and, and to know where we are as a program kind of with the found, I feel really good about the foundation. You know, we're young and talented and tough and the guys that we have committed that all those things bode well along with all of the other influences that are, that are coming at the same time. It's, it's, it's very exciting. I'm sure you've been asked this, but how does that change then with those two California schools coming in? How does that change the way you recruit? Do you look more at the West Coast and say, hey, like you're going to be able to play games close to home because there are teams close? A, a little bit, a little bit. You know, we, we've, we have a few California kids coming, um, but if I was in my first or second year, it, it may change things a little bit, but kind of having the, the program set now with their current roster, and having so much of the, the current, the incoming classes set as well for two or three or four years out. I don't know that it changes a ton. I think it gives us a little bit of a length, but we've done a really good job of recruiting the Midwest. And we've, we've used the, the portal judiciously, but also successfully. I, I think we'll probably kind of stay where we're at. The only, the only thing that, and we do have a couple of contacts out there. You just, you just have to know somebody that knows the kids and the families. Mm -hmm. you, you just, you, you don't, I think sometimes we have a knee-jerk, not we, but like in people in general, we have a knee-jerk reaction, okay? So the circumstance changes and now we, we the pendulum swings and we go too far too quickly and try to do things and um, that they're kind of outside of our purview. If, if you don't do it really well, then you have to be careful about changing because you you end up with kids that you don't know um, and, and, and you end up in a situation that you may not like. You may have something... You, you think it may look like one thing and it ends up being totally different because you're not sure, you're, you're not adequately informed of that. So we will a little bit, but it will be probably more sparse. Um, and, and so we feel really confidently about the contacts and the quality of the, the, the people that, that, that come in, just like anybody else. You know, if I'm, I spent 10 years in Ohio, I know a lot of people in Cincinnati that I really trust, a lot of people in Dayton, Columbus, like, I can go to Ohio, I can make five phone calls, I can find out everything about every kid that we're recruiting. I know like two people in California. And so now that may change over the next five years, but you know, I just I just wanna make sure I know what we have and what we have is a good thing. Mm -hmm. And I just wanna make sure we, we don't um, overreact and, and try to do something that, that that's not our strength yet. And it might be, and it might be, but, but not today.
two more to be first place in the Big Ten with so many other talented teams. Have you sensed urgency amongst your players that they're being chased? Uh, I don't know about chased. I, I just I think that they've experienced some level of success, and we've talked about it. who knows what's going to happen next, right? You, you don't know. That's a it's a silly game. We've won a lot of close games, and you know baseball bounces one way or the other. But I, I do sense a feeling of. Uh, opportunity and in in relishing the opportunity and you know a year ago today we're not experiencing success at this level and and you do get a sense of like we're not going back and if we ever do fail again it will we will fail we will fail valiantly trying right we will do everything within our power we'll compete to every pitch and if we don't win we don't win Um, but but you know really we've played you know 30 32 games where we've played probably only one day where I kind of thought man we really weren't as we just weren't where we normally are. That's a pretty good ratio, right? Normally when you coach that many games, you look up and you're like, there's a four or five games where you, you really thought they weren't as engaged. So I think they're an engaged group. I think they're an urgent group from a standpoint of, uh, I just want, I want to win and I want to, I want to enjoy success. And if that means I have to be locked in on every single pitch, every single game, so be it. Like I'm, I'm not giving any opportunities away. So I don't know that being wherever you're at in the league necessarily matters to them. I just think, um, continuing to succeed is more important than anything else because in, 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 until you've ever experienced losing, which for, for the first half of last year was the first time I've ever experienced losing, you, know, you, you don't know how bad, it, how bad it stinks. Like it's, it is far worse than even your worst nightmare. I don't wish it on, on any, you don't wish it on anybody. So I just think that's like, we're not going back. We're, we are never going back to that. That's more of the sense in the locker room. Like I'm, I'm, not, living, I'm not living through that stuff again. And, uh, and I don't care if we're in first place or fifth place. It doesn't really matter. I'm just not doing what we what we experienced before. Um, you you mentioned some of the players uh, that have that attitude. You know, Ellis, Glasser, Waylon, a couple other guys. Um, what are some of the – have you seen any, any examples of them maybe talking to other players and sort of preaching that message? Uh, it, more, more one-off, but kind of behind the scenes. I'll have those conversations with guys, and I'll always kind of check in. You know, it's like, hey, how are we doing? How's, how are things, things behind the scenes? I, I really, I had a coach that I played for at one point that was more of like a public embarrassment, and, and I, I, I always, uh, I hated that. And so I, I think you have to be really careful about how you manage people in public. And, and you can manage guys way better behind the scenes in, in one-off meetings. So I try to do a lot of those. And so having conversations with those guys like, hey, are we where we need to be at mentally? Are we engaged? Are, are the guys doing okay? And, and you'll get that, that that kind of same response. It's like no one cares where we're ranked. No one cares about any of the other stuff. No one cares about the standings. We just want to go in. It just We just want to compete and we just want to win. And so you get that response where it's like, yeah, we're in a good spot. Like I'll make sure we don't we don't end up in a tough spot. It's like, okay, great. So that that's it's less of that, you know, in the in the dugout, like I guess it would be like this. Guy comes in, just ticked off, throws his helmet and throws a fit, which is normal. I did it. Everyone's done it, and you'll have one of those guys come up and be like, "Hey, get over it. You have to go play defense now, right?" Where where that that, that there's an element of leadership. It's like, "Hey, it's not about you anymore. You struck out the bats over, but if you drop this fly ball and we lose the game, like we're gonna have a problem. You need to go play defense now. Hey, you need to cut it out because your bats coming up again. Those are the kind of things that I think are. It's less about." Um, um, hey, winning and losing, and it's more about uh, get your head where it needs to be at to make sure that we are engaged for the rest of this game. Um, because you've, you've, we've seen how 
not being engaged or being selfish or uh, being frantic or panicked, that doesn't lead to success. So I think having one-off conversations behind the scenes to make sure guys where they need to be at has gone really well. And then you'll see, you know, Bobby is a really good one. Bobby's not afraid to speak his mind and he's a very uh, competitive and, and at times vocal if he needs to be in, in that way. It's like, just make sure that you're ready to play the rest of the game. You gotta move on and, and, and go compete because we're, we're here to win this game. And it's gonna come back around, right? It's gonna come back around. Great example, you know, t- Tyler Cerny makes an error that gives up the go-ahead run. He makes the next play and he comes in the dugout. And I just told him, I was like, just move on. And there's like three guys right behind me. It's like, just move on. It's fine, just move on. And he's upset and he's frustrated and he wants to win. And Tyler's super competitive. And uh, he, he, all those things, and you got three or four guys before I can really even get the words out of my mouth, say the same thing. And he ends up getting on base and then starts the double play that essentially wins the game in the, in the ninth inning. And, and uh, you know, that, that's just a, a great example of the leadership from within and, and what it takes to go and be ultimately successful. That concludes this series preview media availability edition of Talking Hoosier Baseball. The Illinois series kicks off at 8 p.m. on Friday, April 14th on Big Ten Network. Uh, April 15th, it's 6 p.m. on Big Ten Network. And April 16th uh, on B1G+. See you at the BART.